Hello, everybody, and welcome to the skills pod. My name is Tony Cliff, and I am one of the academic skills advisors. And today I'm joined with. Hi, I'm Emma, and I'm also one of the academic skills advisors here at the University of Chester. And if you've listened to our previous podcast, you realise we have a special guest with us uh, for this series. So I would like them to introduce themselves. Hello there, I'm Michael Bird. I'm the head of initial teacher education at uh, the University of Chester. Hi there, my name's Wendy Garner. I too work with Mike in the Faculty of Education and Children's Services on both the undergraduate and postgraduate programmes. Thank you both and we're absolutely delighted to have you on to the podcast today and hopefully um, people have listened to the previous one which has all been about reading and managing that time in terms of reading and how to find stuff so please do have a listen to that because today is a follow-on from that where we're going to discuss planning and overall structure of an assignment. So Wendy or Michael can you um, tell us why you find that really important for your students? Well, I, I suppose really we just get a lot of feedback from our students because they are so busy. Uh, I mean, I've said this on the previous podcast, they're so busy with placement responsibilities and, you know, with other aspects of the programme uh, that they they sometimes tell us um, that they need more guidance in how they're supposed to structure and design their uh, answers to academic assignments. Um, so I think it would be helpful to put together a podcast where we can advise them generically about uh, processes like that. Yeah, and I'd like to come at it, I suppose, from the angle of being faculty assessment officer. So I do a lot of monitoring um, and looking at QA and looking at feedback and what's generally being said to students. And it does seem to be that many students do still struggle with tightening their structure and you know the use of paragraphs and, and, and pr producing plans, which will help them to really uh, showcase a good critical analysis line of argument and so on. So any, any help or tips on that, Tony and Emma, would be absolutely brilliant. Super, yeah, thank you both. I mean, let's start with in terms of often what we say to students is, before you do your planning, before you're reading, you really have to understand what it is that you've actually been asked to do, uh, yeah. you know, in terms of breaking down the assignment brief. Um, so often what we say to students is write out that question on a blank piece of paper, um, particularly if you're a visual uh, kind of person, you, you like to do spider diagrams or mind maps. It's a really nice way to then underline, you know, the directive words. Are you being asked to assess something or discuss something? Obviously, each one of them has their own connotations. What's the focus of that particular assignment question? So what is it you've been asked to assess? And then finally, are there any scope or limitation words? So, for example, you know, are you asked to assess digital skills of first year undergraduates? So first year undergraduates being the scope or the limitation of that. So once we know that, we can then obviously base our reading and our writing around that. So it's really important that students understand exactly what it is they've been asked to do. Now, what I always suggest is make sure as a student and you're listening to this, that you really do look at that assignment brief, particularly if there's any um, guidance in there in terms of what's meant to be in individual sections. Always check, is it an essay? Is it a report? Because again, each one of them will have and inform your structure. Knowing your word count is really important and we'll touch on that later on in terms of our plan. But what I would say and I would stress the students is have a look at the at the rubric. You know, it's it's not 
a, a mystery how your tutors are going to mark your assignment. They will use the assignment rubric. So really do use that and do make sure that if they have any key reading in that assignment brief that you actually do that key yeah. reading. It's amazing how many students don't do that. Your tutors have yeah. found that information for a reason. So it's a very basic fundamental in terms of our planning. A lot of that information is going to come from the assignment brief and it's going to be come from breaking down that question. Yeah, absolutely. And my my first stage after I've broken down the question is always and it's my favourite stage is to take a blank piece of paper and just throw onto it everything that I everything that comes to mind. Um, it can be messy. I often say to students it can be messy. No one's going to see it. It's just you kind of coming to terms with the question, figuring out what what you might read often in those initial kind of messy planning stages that's where your keywords are, are forming that you will then use to put into databases to find reading so enjoy that part it's messy it can be colorful it, it's it's just for you but it's just kind of it, and also it can be quite reassuring as well because you might actually have more um, more you know often when you get a question you you i always remember in exams i was like <laughs> I don't know this, um, but when you do that kind of messy planning stage, it, it can be quite reassuring in that you you probably do know more than you think you do. Um, so use that to kind of guide those initial stages of reading as well. And I think it's you... also, sorry, sorry um, Wendy, uh, I think it's also really important for students to remember the, the brief, you know, so, so that Absolutely. they can carry it around in their heads. And whatever they're doing, because nobody can predict when inspiration hits and sometimes when connections that, you know, you hadn't seen before suddenly, you know, avail themselves. And uh, as you uh, are walking to the bus or you're sort of, I don't know, doing the dishes or hanging the washing up or, what, you know, whatever you're doing, um, sometimes those moments can bring about a, a moment of realisation. Oh, this is Absolutely. going to be useful for, for answering that particular provision or even some of the reading that you've done suddenly can can sort of morph in, into a, a, an idea that you think can suddenly be really, really used in, in pursuit of your argument. So uh, try to keep it in your head, carry it around. And of course, when inspiration does hit and you do have an idea, it's it's going to be important to note it down, you know, unless unless you're like me and, you, you know, um, uh, and you just forget about it often. <laughs> you know, it's very important, I think, just to have some note paper with you or Absolutely, to take a note yeah. on your phone or, so, or something, you know, once you've got an idea and then come back to it when you when when you go back to your desk and, and you start studying. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Really, mate, that's I actually find that really interesting in terms of, you know, just popping a note up on your phone and then and then come back to it. So bringing back to what you said there, uh, Emma, in terms of you know, getting all of that initial plan down is really, really important. Um, but I think there is a risk at times that people can be a little bit overwhelmed in terms of, oh, I've broken down the brief, but, but where, where do I stop? Um, and so it's really important to note that if your tutors are giving you a general word count, let's say 2000 words, and in the assignment brief, there is no word counts dedicated to particular sections. Then we often recommend that 10% of that word count should be dedicated to your introduction. So if it's a 2000 word assignment, that would be 200 words for your introduction. 200 words, sorry, 10% should also be dedicated to your conclusion. So again, that would be another 200 words. So that would leave us with 1600 words for the main body 
of our assignment. So we can come back to this big spider diagram mind map plan that we have. And all good academic writers will make their point in around about 200 to 250 words. So every paragraph should be around about that length. Now, every paragraph should only ever really discuss one idea or one related point. So let's take that uh, 1600 words. If we divide that by uh, 200, we would get a paragraph. So if we divide it by 250, we'd get around about six paragraphs. So for a 2000 word assignment, i.e. Uh, 1600 words, we need to write between six and eight paragraphs to make that assignment point complete. So we know we've got six to eight points to make. So we can have a look at that sprawling information that you now got on your um, on your page and you can divide your page up either in different sections, however you want to do it into those eight boxes. Let's say we were going to go with 200 words. So what are those eight points potentially going to be? And we would give a heading to each one of those boxes. So then we know we've come back to our plan. So let's say, for example, if you were to assess something, you need to look at both sides of something. I mentioned before digital skills. So you might decide, well, I need to chat about digital skills. That needs to be one point. And then I mentioned before the limitation being first year undergraduates. So again, can you start filling in those blanks and then use that template, those boxes to then help inform your reading. So as you are reading and hopefully you listen to the previous podcast, all those notes, that note taking template that we discussed, you can start to put that information under those boxes. So when you are looking at your page, you can ask yourself the question, are all these points making sense? Do they all flow into each other? And if you've hit your point at 200 to 250 words, great, you can move on to the next one. So what's really important to note is, um, is that these are not eight individual points. They should all be leading into each other. That's really important to make sense. And uh, Michael and Wendy, is that something you've seen before in terms of it looks yeah. like almost like a disjointed? Yeah, well, yeah, and perhaps, you know, not very, very long paragraphs should be avoided. But the, the eight boxes idea does link back to the previous podcast, because then when you've after your big mind mapping sprawling episode and you've got your eight boxes, you go back to the reading templates and see where you can pull in the reading, because each paragraph has got to have at least more than one citation or reference or you're not building an argument you're not being critical you're not being analytical so the two things sort of dovetail in and if you do that you've actually got the, the start of a really kind of secure plan given the word count so long as there's an equal peppering of those references within those boxes so you've got enough to to argue something with it's arguable. So I don't know if that helps, but that's so a plan for me would be the key themes emerging from the reading and then starting to think about which references they can use to develop those ideas and that line of argument. And, and, and as as and, and as you're doing that, you're also slightly refining the argument and the point within yeah. each of the parts so that there is some flow between them. I mean, that process for me never stops because you know even when you're actually drafting and you're writing it out often you know what can be frustrating is that a point that appeared bold and courageous in your plan suddenly just dissolves you know as you're writing it and it and it or it can it, it you, you've already said it you know in another paragraph and you and and you actually you need to re, re refine it that can be frustrating, but it's also um, 
the exercise of quality criteria that you're applying to your own work you know that so it's actually a really good hopeful sign if if that is the kind of process of you know re revising and proofreading that you're doing uh, it's a good sign that you're probably getting somewhere and uh, even if it feels like you're not yeah and of course they're not discrete units and this refers back to what mike's saying once you've got those themes you're going to juggle them around you might change mm. the order generally i don't know what your views are in us but i suggest that students put the most important themes first you know and and think about how each one flows into the next so the sequencing and the emphasis is also important they're not just eight blocks they then need to be stitched together and honed down as mike has suggested we often use the metaphor of paragraphs as stepping stones. So if you think of stepping stones, you know, they've got to have a logical progression from one side to the other. Otherwise, whoever's navigating them is going to struggle or fall into the water. So, you know, if you think of your paragraphs having that logical progression from introduction to conclusion, you know, that that I, I often find that really helpful. And a lot of the students I speak to about that, you know, always think of the stepping stones when when you're writing or planning. And I think there's there's an element of practicality to all this as well. You know, we're always short on time, particularly in modern society. And, you know, when you break it down by word count, by points, it, it makes it less daunting. If I've got 2,000 words. No, you've got eight paragraphs to write. Yeah. So, you know, if you are short on time, you could say, right, today I've only got an hour, two hours. I'm going to write about point one, paragraph one. It's 250 words. As soon as you've hit that, you're done. You can tick that off. You've hit that first stepping stone then make that bridge to the next one. So it's really easy. And I think it helps a lot of students take away that anxiety of I haven't got time and I've got 2000 words to write, but actually it's these small little steps that you can tick off in your writing by using this plan is really, really helpful. Yeah, you're scaffolding your own work. You're helping yourself build your own self-efficacy in actually, even it doesn't have to be the first paragraph, write the paragraph you're most comfortable with to start with. So you've got 250 words under your belt and then you've had what they sometimes refer to in, in the literature as sort of psychological um, lift off. You've started it now. I've written a bit. That means, oh, I can do the same tomorrow. That's really, really important sort of underpinning this whole process is your belief in your self-efficacy that you can do this in good time bit by bit. Uh, so yeah, thank you um, all for that. It's really interesting. I think that's really a nice stepping off point now for us to actually talk about, okay, we've got our plan. We know we have to make eight paragraphs. Well, what actually does go in that paragraph? So who wants to start me off talking about what a real good structure of a paragraph that we expect students to see? Well, I sometimes find, I mean, I'm not I'm not the expert in ASK, but I'm very interested in academic skills development and um, something I find the students find really helpful um, and really sort of inspires them to feel that they understand what critical analysis means is the simple analogy of a paragraph sandwich. And I sometimes put different pictures up of different sandwiches with the undergrads and, and with, with postgrads too sometimes. And um, it, it's just this idea that you've got a headline. This is, you know, one of your eight points, one of your boxes. What's the headline? Tell your reader what the headline is. What are the sources that you are discussing? Um, and you probably or may start with the most sort of weighty source in terms of convincing you that there is something about this key point that, you know, has some gravitas. And then but you will bring in other um, sources 
perspective, not necessarily, you know, bipolar opposites of what's being said, just nuanced differences by different authors and sources. But what's really important when you've undertaken that analysis is having some sort of our ATs will understand the idea of a mini plenary, but an evaluation. So where has that led your that evidence led your thinking? And then how you need to think you can link that to the next paragraph. So a good sandwich won't just have a slice, thin slice of ham, you know, an Ofsted report citation or something like dated, like every child matters. It will have lots of delicious subway type fillings, different types of sources and resources and, 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 and evidence. So that's something I think the students sometimes find helpful. And I think that also if the paragraph isn't flowing and you're drawing a blank when you're trying to draft a paragraph, I think that means it's not ready yet uh, yeah. and you kind of have to go back several steps and yeah. and, and begin the, the, the sort of big picture planning again or, or revising that because the part, you know, there's nothing that is as hard as writing. Uh, as far as it because the it's the proof of the pudding of everything it's the, it's the final test that your thinking is sound uh, or yeah. not and mike you're absolutely right if you've not read enough it's really hard to write an essay so if you are if you are struggling with that paragraph go back to your reading template snowball off the back of some of those lists of references see if there are other things that you can bring into that argument but you're right, Mike, if you've read enough and your thinking has been finely tuned, it shouldn't be difficult to pull that paragraph together. Yeah. And this is why sometimes writing frames, frameworks for what you should put where uh, can sometimes produce uh, in students the feeling that this is a shortcut. In other words, the thinking has been done for them. Uh, and actually, it's not at all. Um, if you are drawing a blank for your paragraphs it means you haven't done enough thinking you haven't done enough reading yeah. and you need you need to go back um because you're not ready to come at that stage and i understand that there's a sort of uh, incentive to to get going and get finished as, as soon and as quickly as possible but you know the um the act of critical reflection critical analysis is a slow burning slow cook you know you can't you can't rush it it's not for the microwave oven you know it's it's something that's just you, you have to give yourself time or sort of coming back to that at all times but it is so 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 important can we say no. that oh, reading sorry. is reading takes about 70 percent of the whole assignment process it's so important you know it underpins your writing it guides everything so if you're just jumping into assignment having done very little reading it's going to it's going to show in 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 your final marks and in, in that final draft it, it's it's not going to be as you know as, as good as you can make it so you know and it's easy to think that planning reading all these stages are wasted because you know writing is you know words on the page is what it's about but it's it's not it's about the skills that underpin that it's about the critical analysis the showing the breadth of your reading to your to your tutors thanks Emma. that is a really really good tip all that stuff so as students now we've talked about this we've got to now apply what that actually looks like in terms of a paragraph we often say that that first sentence in that paragraph is what we call the signposting so basically whatever that first sentence is indicates what that paragraph's point is going to be 
ideally your last part your last sentence in that paragraph or your last sentences really should be a nice summary of that and what's all this information it's the so what question i've presented all this information i've presented my points so what can you summarize that in relation to the points that have come before and where the argument is going so we often say to students is again that analogy wendy you had of of, of the sandwich that, that's that's your bread you know if you didn't have your signpost there'd be an open top sandwich it wouldn't make sense similarly if you didn't have a, a piece of bread at the bottom everything would fall out so we would often say to students if you finish that 200 to 250 words and you've got your criticality in there go back does that first sentence match what you've put in and have you appropriately summarized it so if that's all i read so coming back to what emma discussed in our last episode about the shark read the first sentence and last sentence of every paragraph you should be able to do that here's what the point was here yeah. is that summary of that point in relation to the argument and here's an indication of where this argument's going and that will lead you on to the next paragraph i think there's also an, ad an additional thing that is I would say, well, not unique to ITE 80s, you know, to uh, trainee teachers, is the issue of practice. And um, I would say that alongside descriptive paragraphs, which which are, of course, superficial, there, there are other traps to fall into for uh, practitioners who are trying to make sense of research and theory in order to inform their practice. And one one is a very, very simplistic, superficial uh, idea that all you have to do is just put theory into practice and then you'll be fine. Or a very simplistic, superficial statement that this works, you know, that and or or that works full stop uh, that that, you know, bold and bold statements like that are very, very tempting and very sort of seductive often the the reality is more complicated and i would i would i would suggest that in order to get to the higher levels of critical analysis you've got to find the devil in the detail you know that's that's the most important thing and that means you've got to penetrate deeper than just the superficial level if you're struggling and you know life isn't quite as formulaic as this as an academic but if you're struggling start with a reading template so you get into the you get well practiced in being a critical reader use the planning matrix which we will produce um which will help you with that paragraphing and word count and tightness of structure and then check your paragraphs against our paragraph sandwich analogy because your marker will be doing that they will read a paragraph check back to the first headline to the headline and then they'll look at the evaluation if there is one to see if it's all you know it's a full sort of unit in terms of um a sound piece of academic writing within that assignment so use those 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 mechanisms if it helps you and i'm quite a systematic person so i quite like that myself and then just see if that helps you with your thinking and the process by which you write your assignments i just jump in um a top tip that some students find really useful in terms of structuring their paragraphs are to color code them yeah. so when we show paragraph examples we've got different colors for different aspects of a paragraph so your topic sentence you could highlight in purple um your evidence could be in red and your analysis could be in black and then that overall considered viewpoint could be in green so you can see then visually 
OK, here's, here's some evidence. I have provided some analysis and you can see that you're doing that structure. Obviously, don't put it in Turnitin in rainbow colours. Tutors might not be so pleased with that, but, you know, just for your own records to see that you are meeting all those those aspects of a critical paragraph. It's quite a useful tool. Yeah, indeed. And if you are at the start of your journey, don't worry about it. We are here to support you, particularly the AS team. Your tutors also are here to support you. So please do reach out. We're more than happy because we know it's a skill that people will need to develop. Yeah. So please do not hesitate to reach out. And I think the other thing that I've often say now is um, my, I'm a writer and when I was teaching creative writing you'd always say to students you can't be a writer if you're not a reader mm. and I think that I, that applies to academic writing as well the more you read academic articles you're going to pick up the how, how writers use criticality how they introduce their criticality how they structure their paragraphs you'd learn a lot from just reading so it's not a wasted activity at all you know make sure that that is taking up the chunk of your assignment process and you know it's not just the the knowledge and the evidence that that you're picking up for your art um, for your assignments it's also the, the way to structure and word assignments as well brilliant so thank you all for uh, joining this very special uh, podcast today with michael and wendy we hope that you've got a lot from it if you've not listened to our previous podcast where uh, michael and wendy are also part of that please do um but yeah thank you all i've been uh, tony i've been Hi. wendy i've been mike and i'm emma Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.